Have you ever wanted to share a story but didn't feel like you had anyone that would listen? Maybe you wanted to share it with a friend, a neighbor, a family member, or even a loved one, and they just gave you that vibe they didn't have enough time for you? Or maybe it wasn't that, it's just they didn't have enough time to listen to you. Either way, do you still want to share those stories, be heard, and be listened to? Because if so, please join us here today at Walk and Talk Radio, and one day we'll get the chance to listen to your story. I'm your host, Jay Griffith, and on today's episode, let's go ahead and welcome our guest, Johanna Clark. I reached out to her and asked if she'd be willing to share her life story with me, and to my surprise, she was totally willing to do so. She's going to be taking us on a wild ride called her life. These days, she's an entrepreneur with a business about health and nutrition. She educates people on the relationship between your body and the food that you put in it. Remember, you are what you eat, so hopefully your body can still decompose. Our different diets are just like our shoes. Sometimes it only fits you. Her business name is Wild Muse Wellness. She opened up her own company due to the fact that the medical industry just really wasn't helping her meet her needs. Also, they had nothing to help her become healthy. So, because of that, she decided that she was going to take matters into her own hands, and that's when her business was born. Like I say in various places of my website, it all starts with an idea, and it all starts with you. So with that, let's go ahead and jump on in and begin this conversation. Thank you, Johanna, for joining us today on Walk and Talk Radio. I'm going to be passing the mic to you, and let's go ahead and start with your journey. Hey, thanks, Jay. So, yeah, like Jay said, my name is Johanna. Um, I'm 25 years old, and I currently live over in Spokane, Washington, with my husband and my dear kitty that has her health issues of her own. Um, Very expensive health issues, unfortunately. Um, But yeah, so I'm really excited to come on here and kind of chat about everything that's kind of gone on to lead me to where I'm at now and kind of go from there. So kind of the the starting point of my story is when I was 17 years old, um, I was a junior in high school. I was coming off kind of a busy fall. So my fall that year, I was taking like college and the high school classes, AP classes, had a pretty like rigorous academic load, which... I think it's pretty common for a lot of juniors in high school. Um, I always joke around that that was actually probably more of a rigorous, like, academic load than most of my college experience. Um, but, yeah, so was doing that. I was playing varsity volleyball. We were doing pretty well, so I was pretty busy. Um, recently had a new boyfriend, which was exciting. He was an older guy, so there was definitely kind of the stress for the excitement of that as well. Um, and then – finished my volleyball season and the first practice of my club volleyball season, I tore my ACL and both menisci in my right knee. Um, We knew pretty immediately that what I had done, my mom had also gone through many knee surgeries as well. So she definitely kind of knew what was happening, what was going on Um, and saw a doctor, they diagnosed it. And then they weren't going to be able to get me in for surgery for, I think it was about like two months or so. It was going to be like something stupid, kind of like end of January. 
Um, so about a month or so into that, we decided let's go over to the Seattle side to go see if we can see a surgeon over there, um, get a second opinion, see what's going on. And they were able to get me in the next day, which was awesome. Um, so I got surgery about a month sooner than I expected. Um, and then that's kind of when the cascade began. Um, so about a week later after surgery, so I was in, when you get meniscus surgery, you are in a full straight leg brace. Um, ACL is normally a pretty easy recovery, but or not necessarily easy recovery. It's a long recovery, but it's not something where you have to be, um, like on crutches for a super long time or inactive for a super long time. But with meniscus, you can't put weight on your leg with a bent knee. Um, so I was in a straight leg brace for six weeks at that point. Um, but leading up to that, a week after my surgery is when I came down with mononucleosis and strep throat C, which rocked my world. Um, so for about six days or so, I was not able to eat solid food. Um, I was pretty much drinking whatever my mom could get me to keep down and I would drink ice water and couldn't swallow anything. Um, prior to that, the previous fall, I had also recently started birth control. So at that point, which is actually, it's kind of interesting. I just kind of flash forward to now. I just recovered actually from COVID, which is interesting that that happened last week because it was exactly the same week eight years ago that I came down with mono and strep. So it's just kind of weird timing. Um, definitely like shows the weird coincidences, I guess, that can happen throughout your life and history. And um, But anywho, so I had started birth control a couple months prior to that, <clears throat> went through surgery a week later, then developed mono and strep. Um, and then I would say the, the following three weeks are probably the hardest period of my life. Um, I had gone through pretty severe depression, um, anxiety like I had never experienced before. It makes a lot of sense. Post-surgery, you can go through depression, anxiety, hormonal birth control. You can definitely go through depression, anxiety. Now and I know that. Um, and then mono can actually trigger it as well. So had some pretty dark periods. Um, lost a lot of weight because I wasn't eating, which definitely now, now that I know eating is obviously huge when it comes to mental health. Um, so wasn't eating a lot wasn't eating well, um, when I was eating and then, yeah, just kind of mopey sad also affects me. So seasonal affect disorder. So I kind of also had that going on. Um, so pretty hard time for sure. Um, things started to definitely look better and I would say that they were better for, it was probably about a year or so. Um, and then it was probably around December. So the following year is when I started to get developed a lot more ailments. So that's when my bloating started to kind of come up. I'd get diarrhea spells. I'd had a lot of fatigue. So something that happens sometimes in some cases with mono and it happened in my case is that fatigue can last for 18 months or so. Um, so I definitely did not feel normal energy wise post mono. And I also think post birth control too. Um, and so energy was definitely not up to par. Um, and then I would say it was that like December, January or so, I went on a round of antibiotics for a sinus infection. And then a month to two months later, I went on a pretty strong antibiotic for another severe or severe infection. Um, and then we went down to Mexico. And then when I was down in Mexico, that's when like all hell kind of broke loose. I was having diarrhea spells where I like 
absolutely could not go further than like five minutes from the bathroom. It was horrendous. You'd think that I like had food poisoning, but it was just constant. Um, and being down in Mexico, we thought like, did I have a worm? Did I get food poisoning? Like what happened? Um, got home from Mexico and saw my naturopath at the time. Um, and so she put me on an antifungal cause she thought that I had gotten something down in Mexico. Um, and then I believe a, a potentially even a round of antibiotics at that time as well. Um, so that's like two to three rounds in that three month period. And then after that is when everything really started to cascade down and it was like a toilet flushing. Um, and it was just a storm. Um, so I developed food intolerances at that point. So I had a soy peanut pineapple and white chicken, like white meat chicken food intolerance, very specific. Um, never quite understood that one. Uh, food intolerances and still struggling with chronic fatigue. Um, once I removed soy and peanuts and some of my food intolerances, things definitely, things definitely got better. Um, I can't recall exactly. I don't think my fatigue necessarily got better. That hasn't really improved up until most recently. Um, but that was kind of what I was dealing with at that time. And then come another six months later or so, college started. So I moved away. I went to the University of Washington. Um, I studied psychology and sociology there. It was a great experience, awesome time. Um, but just like with any college experience, right? Like you're drinking a lot, you're not sleeping well, you're out of the house for the first time. So there's like not a lot of structure. You have freedom, which is so exciting, but also in hindsight, probably not the best for your health. Um, so then, so went through college and then it was probably about six months into college. Things started to get even worse. Um, I was dealing with really severe headaches. Um, they were just filling like my whole head and I wouldn't like, I would call them migraines. I wouldn't call them full migraines cause I wasn't like debilitated. Like I didn't have to like lay down in a dark room, but it was like such strong headaches that I wanted to throw up because they were, they were so bad. Um, Advil, I don't think at the time it may have helped. I think at that time I was popping Advil for like everything because I was post knee surgery and then headaches and hormones and all the stuff didn't know any better. Um, so lots of Advil use for sure. Um, and then I'd say it was probably a couple months after that is then when things started getting worse when it came to my digestion, I was bloating all the time, no matter what I ate. Um, even if I wasn't eating my diagnosed food intolerances at that time. Um, and then, so I went to a new doctor. She was like, well, you have anemia, you're borderline hypothyroid. You have food intolerances to wheat, to dairy, um, to what else? It was just like everything. Your birth control might be causing problems. Let's switch you to different birth control. You know, it was just, it was just kind of everything. So thought I left that appointment, thought I was going to be fixed, left with all my supplements and <laughs> was not fixed. Um, she told me basically that it was going to be a long-term life, lifelong um, ailment of food intolerances that I'd never be able to recover from. It's just how it is. Um, she gave me, I remember an iron supplement, an iodine supplement, um, probably gave me a multivitamin too. I remember there was being like four to five of them or so. So there was plenty of supplements. Um, now in hindsight, I know a lot more about supplementation and that was definitely not the correct approach. Um, so that's where I was at at that point. And then everything else started happening. Then I was starting to deal with hormonal problems. I was dealing with stuff like low sex drive, um, 
painful periods that we kind of figured out that my headaches definitely had to do with my periods. I had severe cramping. Um, shortly after her visit, I decided to, I was on the, um, I think it's Nuva ring. I can't remember, but it's the little ring that's a insert. Um, they insert vaginally for hormonal birth control. So I was on that prior to that. <clears throat> um, and then it switched to a copper IUD. I was dealing with yeast infections, bacterial vaginosis, candida overgrowth, um, anything and pretty much everything. I mean, I, I think in that time frame that year, I got seven pelvic exams, um, because of all the infections and everything like that. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely a lot going on. Um, I was, I figured out that I was having reactions to my tampons. So like I had to switch over to organic cotton tampons. Cause if I used the wrong tampon, it would flare up BV or yeast infections. If I went to hot tub, like it was just, it was crazy. I like couldn't do anything. Um, so pretty much at that point I was dealing with chronic bloating, frequent diarrhea, chronic fatigue, low sex drive, frequent colds and illness. Like I was getting infections all the time. Just had painful periods, extreme moodiness. Um, can't remember if I said this, but yeast infections, candida, bacterial vaginosis, pretty much everything. And then I started developing ovarian cysts and kidney stones within like the same, like six to nine month period. Um, so we we're going to Mexico again, my mom and I, and on that airplane, a, a, we believe, we're not quite sure, but we believe it was a kidney stone passing um, on the airplane. Not awesome. Don't recommend it. Uh, thought I was dying. And we're once again going to Mexico. Like, what the hell? Like, what are we going to do when we get there? Um, so that was quite the experience. So then I'd say around six months later is when I was then struggling with ovarian cysts. Um, kind of painful ovulation as well, which is interesting. Um so I would have painful periods and then two weeks later have painful ovulation. So it was kind of like I was PMSing all the time. Um, and then, and migraines and headaches were constant, absolutely constant. Um, at the time I was diagnosed with like estrogen dominance, borderline hypothyroid. Um, I was anemic or so that's what they diagnosed. I was copper toxic. Um, I tried a lot of things. Um, and I think it was shortly after my second ovarian cyst rupture, I saw a new doctor. He specialized in hair mineral analysis testing. Um, he, so he did testing on me, kind of looked at my minerals and everything, the makeup of my hair and my tissue. Um, that's when I was diagnosed with a copper toxicity. And then he was like, oh, you have bacteria overgrowth and gut dysbiosis. Um, that's what's causing the digestive issues. So here is a like, the biggest supplement regimen I think I've ever followed. I literally could like <laughs> hold my arms out like I'm hugging a beach ball and probably hold all of my supplements. It was insane. I had to have a chart to like tell me how much to take, when to take it, what time of day. And I'm sure I was getting it wrong because it was just so overwhelming and there was so much. A lot of it made me feel like crap, which is exactly what you don't want it to do. Like that's, you're wanting to feel better. Um, so that was just another storm. Um, so went through all of those supplements. He also told me to go sugar-free. So I felt great for about three weeks or so going sugar-free. Now I know why. And we can talk about that later when it comes to like kind of my, my approach to health and nutrition now, but, um, hindsight don't recommend sugar-free diets. Not awesome for you. So yeah, it was just that, that was kind of a lot of it when it came to working with doctors, 
Um, and then I graduated college, um, still dealing with, I would say like headaches, fatigue, low sex drive, painful periods were kind of the, oh, and daily bloating, constant daily bloating, um, were probably my main symptoms that I was dealing with for the longest. Um, and then after, after college, I finally found a holistic registered dietitian and she was really talking to me with her content and everything like that. And I was like, Hey, she is like explaining me. She's describing me. I want to work with her. <clears throat> so I worked with her things. I felt like she, I felt the most understood with her. Um, but interesting enough, she actually didn't give me a lot of nutritional guidelines, even though she was a dietitian, which was kind of interesting. Um, like a lot of our calls were more so of like hers kind of like diagnosing my labs. Cause we ran a stool test and a hormone test, um, kind of diagnosing my labs and then kind of giving some suggestions like castor oil packs, sleep habits, exercise habits, that type of a thing. And then supplement recommendations. But, um, I like vaguely remember her talking about some nutritional things and like kind of talking about blood sugar, but I didn't understand what blood sugar was at that point. Um, but there wasn't a lot of guidance, which is kind of interesting considering she was a dietitian. Um, so things kind of got better for a little bit, right? Things kind of got better for a little bit, um, but not a whole lot better. Um, and then I was still dealing with, I think mo- some of my my bloating and stuff definitely kind of resolved. Sometimes I'd have flare-ups. Um, I actually figured out shortly after that that movement and just mild movement and exercise helped a lot with my digestion. Um and then I, I honestly was like anti-doctor for the longest time after that. So that would have been fall 2018. Um, and I just like didn't really go to the doctor after that. Like I wasn't in school anymore, so they weren't required for annual like checkups or anything. And I just never got the help I needed from doctors. And anytime I went, it was just new like prescription or new supplement or, but nothing that really helped. They're all kind of band-aid fixes. Um, so then also working with her though, like taking that kind of like holistic approach definitely inspired me. And it was like, this is something that I think that I'd actually like to do. Like I would, I, once I can kind of figure out what's going on with me, I want to be able to help other people find that relief, find that symptomatic help as well. Um, and kind of cut through the BS that's given to us, um, to help them find relief fastest. Um, so then I would say kind of fell into the fitness industry for a bit still struggling with chronic fatigue, low sex drive, painful periods, kind of the, the few that I mentioned, um, my kidney stones pretty much resolved. My ovarian cysts pretty much resolved. Wasn't having a lot of vaginal infections anymore. So it was more so just kind of the other ones. Um, and then didn't really see a doctor much was kind of doing okay. I started working full time. Then I started working over full time. So then I kind of got distracted, I guess, with all of that. Um, And then honestly, COVID hit and that made me completely slow down. I work in the, at the time when I started and still do, I worked in the fitness industry. So once COVID hit, we were done. Like we, I was working from home. I was helping manage a gym at that time. Um, So I was working from home kind of part-time, but other than that, it gave me a lot of time to sit with my symptoms and realize that things are still going on and are still unresolved and that I'm still tired all the time. Um, and it kind of gave me a chance to really think like, what do I want to do with my life? It, it was kind of the silver lining. Um, and I realized what I was doing was running myself into the ground, I guess, and not, not working. It wasn't working for me. So then I, um, 
started nutritional therapy school um september 2021 no 2020 yeah 2020 september 2020 um and that's when things really started to get good and resolve and everything started kind of coming into place and getting better and I was able to understand my own body and the root causes behind things I was able to really fall into a community that I really was starting to understand things were clicking and making sense um and it was really we're getting down to the nitty-gritty rather than just band-aid approach tossing supplements to relieve symptoms rather than like tossing supplements to kind of support that root cause so then the the symptoms go away from that um And then I, so then once again, I honestly, it was same month. So September, 2020, I was like, well, I'm starting school. I'm going to go see a new naturopath. Like I need to, like, I want some assistant. I want someone in my court. And it was like the exact same story, like ran labs. I had these hormonal issues. I was anemic. She gave me all these supplements. They made me feel like crap. Didn't really talk. She was like, oh, like you drink enough water. You seem to be healthy. You're eating good enough food. And like, I wasn't, but like I, in her mind, and I'm pretty sure on paper, like I looked healthy. Sure. But did I feel healthy or did I feel great? I didn't. Um, and so <laughs> worked with a doctor once again and was let down. So then I'm like, I've gone like fully anti-doctor now. Um, <laughs> which I don't know if it's great. I, I know they don't mean it. Like, they don't mean to do harm, but it's just, like, it was so frustrating constantly trying to get help, and it just never, never finding that help. Um, So then things really started to turn around for me once I decided to take things in my own hands and focus on my nutrition, focus on blood sugar, and learn about blood sugar, um, use targeted supplementation to really get my root cause of everything, um, hit the root cause so then once my root cause was solved then my symptoms started to resolve as well um so that's kind of where i'm at now and and now i am no longer on any form of birth control um i focus on my health and nutrition i don't take honestly a whole lot of supplementation i i take most of my supplements that are from food sources um or derived from a food source so they're a whole food supplement um I prioritize sleep. I prioritize stress relief and everything like that. And honestly, the only things that I really struggle with now are the occasional headache. And that's just a hormonal thing that I'm still trying to get under control from years and years and years of doing stuff that causes hormones to get out of balance. Yeah, I'm actually dealing with that myself right now as yeah. well. Um, yeah. And I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hormonal stuff. Like, well, just healing in general. Like it, I mean, it took us a long time to get there. Right. So it takes luckily not as long to heal typically, but, um, but yeah, it's our society and our way of life is not conducive to happy hormones. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't think it was ever made for like to keep us alive or to keep us happy and healthy. Because basically everything we can find, well, there's three, I was just reading a book about this. There's three main things, three main foods that are so highly processed. We just need to stay away from anything corn, anything wheat, and anything soy. You better just throw it in the trash because. Yeah, there's a lot of processing with it for sure, especially in America too. Yeah, Um, I've talked about that uh, a lot with people in that. Our, our wheat is not what our wheat used to be. Our soy really should not be used as much as we're using it. And the corn, it's absolutely overused. And like, 
for all the listeners that are going to be listening to this, uh, you may not even be thinking about this, but it's not so much. It, it is very important to understand that that affects your body in the ways that we're talking about right now. But you also got to take an interest in how their processing plants and their agricultural practices actually are affecting our planet, which then also has a double effect on what happens in our lives because our bodies are affected by our environments as well. So think about that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Double whammy for sure. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're not, they're not wasting any minute to make sure they make money off of our sickness. (laughs) Absolutely. hundred percent. So, I actually highlighted something that you just said. You were talking about how you were overworking. And mm-hmm. um, also, it, it sounded like, you didn't say this precisely, but it sounded like you were talking about pretty much over-exercising while you were technically just working. Mm-hmm. So I actually was not. So that's actually, it's, being a fitness instructor, I have, <laughs> I'm actually an under-exerciser, I would say. I'm very good at motivating and helping people exercise, but I am not awesome at completing my own regimen. Um, <laughs> so I was not necessarily over-exercising, but I was definitely overworking, undersleeping. <laughs> yeah, and, and okay, so that's very important. Um, if anyone wants to know, I'm guilty of it too. I think most of my health problems have come from 16-hour days, not enough downtime, only five hours of sleep maximum every night and eating fried foods, fatty foods and cheeseburgers all day. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my life. Well, it used to be, it's not anymore. Right. It hasn't been since the middle of summer. So let's go ahead. If you want to keep going, if there's anything else you want to, I want to give you the space to just keep saying whatever you have to offer. But if you want to move forward, we can work our way backwards and start asking questions. What do you, what would you like to do? Um, I think the biggest thing that I'd kind of want to touch on is <clears throat> kind of talking about stress. Cause that's kind of what we're on the topic of is um, we're kind of, we're, we're taught that we have work stress, we have relationship stresses, whether it's uh, like an intimate relationship or family or friends. Um, we have, just life stress. We have financial stress, you know, we have world events and news and everything like that, which obviously we know all is very stressful. Um, so I think the biggest thing that we're not aware of are the amount of stressors in our life that we're actually in control of that's stressing our body out that we actually don't even really know computes as stress. Like whether it's not eating, like whether it might be skipping breakfast, that's stressful to your body, not getting enough sleep, that's stressful to your body, not having fun, you know, like taking time to go do things for yourself and have fun. Like that's stressful. Um, not eating consistently enough or not eating enough or, or maybe you're eating enough calorically, but you're not eating enough nutrients. That's stressful. So I think that's been probably my biggest eye-opening experience is I was always told by doctors, your cortisol is crashed. And that's because you've, you've been so stressed, but then they couldn't like, I couldn't really ever find that. Like, what is stress? Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm a very high functioning person. And my, my mind is very active and yeah, I, I'm a planner. Like I'd say I'm type a. And so I'm like, am I just a stressed per- person? Is this just how I always am? Or like, what is stressing me out? Like, yes, college is stressful, high school is stressful, family events and stuff like that. We can talk about that in just a moment um, are all stressful. So there's definitely stressful events going on in my life. But at the time, those aren't really talked about. And then we also weren't talking about kind of like the, the 
we view them as little stressors, but they're actually huge stressors, which is like eating consistently and everything like that. Um, so I think that's kind of meant a huge awakening for me is like trying to control the stressors that I can control and then trying to become more resilient to stressors that are out of my control that are just day-to-day stressors that we have to go through. Um, and so that's, I guess, kind of my big takeaway is evaluating stress in your life and is there stress in your life that you don't even think might be stress um and then from there start to kind of like go after the big stones and work through it and then you might actually find that symptom relief so if you could pinpoint just to maybe give an example to somebody who's going to hear this is what is one of your so-called small stressors that are actually something massive massive um so i would say pre maybe you didn't realize it Mm -hmm. and it took you a while and you're like oh that's a stressor yep yeah so i would say i'm gonna like go back to when i was working a lot and overworking kind of pre pre me going through school um i had no idea that working out on an empty stomach was a stressor i had no idea that not eating just almond butter and toast for breakfast, like just eating that was a stressor. That was a huge stressor, like me not eating solid enough breakfast. Um, a irregular eating schedule was absolutely stressing my body out. And then not getting restful sleep. Like I could sleep, I could be in bed and sleep for 10 to 12 hours and not feel rested at all. Um, and I'm definitely like, I'm a sleeping person for sure. Like I love my sleep. My husband always cracks up when I get into bed because I have like the biggest smile on my face um, because I just, I love sleep, but I was never feeling like fully rested and prioritizing my sleep and making sure that I'm, and I'm, we am, we're trying our best now is no phones in bed, no TV in the bedroom or anything like that. Like trying to get rid of electronics in the bedroom making sure that it's like a dark bedroom, a quality bedroom too. Like you're getting quality sheets, quality comforter, whatever you can do to kind of control that environment. Um, prioritizing sleep. Cause man, without it, it's, we can't function pretty much like every single bodily process and function depend on sleep. Um, so not getting adequate sleep, I think was probably the biggest stressor in my life. Like, yeah, I might have gotten hours, but it was not quality and odd times. Like I would go to bed, I've always been kind of like a night owl, I guess. Um, not really anymore. Now I can go to bed pretty early. Um, but I would go to bed 10, 11, 12. If I was up texting, reading or something like that, or watching shows, maybe it was like 1, 2 a.m. Um, and then sleeping, wanting to sleep until 9 or 10 a.m., which like, of course I was because I, I still needed the hours, um, but wasn't getting adequate sleep at the proper time or anything like that. Yeah, that's... I actually just learned something <laughs> from what you just Good. said. Good. And, uh, so that was cool. And if anybody learned anything else, that's awesome. I hope we all yeah. learned something. Because yeah. uh, uh, I didn't actually realize all those little tiny things were that important into going into how you sleep. And if anybody's wondering right now, how I sleep is sitting up because I don't want stomach acid going into my mouth. Yep. Yep. So laying down yep. is not an option. I tried to do it last night again, and I made it maybe a half hour. And I was like, yeah. oh, just go back on the couch, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't figure this out. That's tough. Yeah. Well, actually, this is interesting. This is all very interesting. So every question I wrote down, 
and thing I can think about to ask you about, actually all of it revolves around something being stressful. So For sure, 100%. <laughs> like, well, I didn't realize like, that until you were yeah. talking about it. Yeah, everything has like everything comes back to stress and we're not really taught what stress is or how to manage it or or what is stressful. It's it's funny our bodies are resilient and we're we are resilient to a point with stress, but we're also like our bodies are so sensitive. And the really interesting to th- keep in mind about our bodies is our bodies compute stress all of the exact same. No matter the stress level, like even if you're, the stressor is a one out of 10 or if it's a 10 out of 10, your body computes that as life-threatening. And when our body goes into that fight or flight life-threatening mode, so many things shut down. Like your sex drive shuts down, your digestive functions shuts down, your metabolism starts to slow. We go into survival mode. Um, and so when you think about it, like if you're not eating breakfast or if you're not eating consistently or getting enough sleep and that stress, your body thinks it's dying. Like your body thinks that it's going into survival mode. So I think that's been like the biggest eye opener is like our body doesn't know whether a bear is chasing us or if I just didn't eat breakfast this morning. <laughs> Those are, Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's pretty huge. Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the number one stressors, at least looking back at my own life, I'm pretty sure the way that the the relationship that I had with money and finances is pretty much what caused all of my mm-hmm. issues. I mean, yeah, I had an event that happened, but I think there was something going on before that event occurred. And, uh, and I think what was going on behind the scenes that I couldn't necessarily feel might've actually created that event to happen looking yep. back on it. Cause every action I was doing, uh, pre that event was all about making money and Mm -hmm. making sure I was going to pay my bills. And you actually said something that this is what I learned. I didn't realize not having fun was stressful. Like let's go with that for a second because I'm interested. Like, so what are your thoughts on that? I mean, we're kids at heart, right? And that's, that's kind of the biggest thing is we have to have fun. We have one life. We got to live it. Um, my, like, I feel like I'm going to like switch my business slogan to like, I don't want to survive. I want to thrive. We have one life. I want to absolutely thrive and live every day to the fullest. And how do you do that? If you're not laughing and having fun. Amen. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. Well, Yeah. yeah, that's like what my problem was is, I mean, Part of it would be that a lot of my friends don't live around me and mm-hmm. I have to learn how to make new friends and with people that I normally don't hang out with. And it's like, you know, we're all a little bit different. And so working through yeah. that kind of like there's so many and this brings up the quote that I wrote down. There's so many expectations in a way that we have for each other and mm-hmm. and for ourselves and. And me personally, I'm working on getting rid of all expectations and all judgments and just really observing what's going on around me. Because honestly, I realized, like, when you were saying it, I realized, like, dang, I have not liked one moment of not being able to have fun. Like, that yeah. actually does yeah. stress me out that I can't yeah. just go have fun. Like, I want to go snowboarding. And it's like, dude, it costs a hundred dollars just to go yeah. for a day. Like, that's that's my electricity bill right there down right. the drain. Yeah. So it's it's like that kind of stuff. 
If anyone in the back country, <laughs> <laughs> give me a helicopter. <laughs> right, right. No, honestly, I think um, I have to kind of give credit to my husband for that. He is a massive kid, and I absolutely love him for it. Um, my family and I, like, if we ever go on family vacations, he is always playing. Like, he's always having fun. And my mom has always commented on that. And it's, it's funny because it's entertaining for me to watch, but he just has a blast all the time. And yeah, he gets injured a lot because he's doing it, but he, I think has really kind of changed my perspective on, um, so shout out to you, Dylan, if you listen to this, but, uh, he's really changed my perspective on, on really seizing the day and taking advantage of each day. Like he is not one that like, maybe even to a fault, um, not one to waste a day. And he gets very upset if he feels like he's wasting a day. Um, and so I think he has really taught me, like, you got to have fun. You got to enjoy it. You got to go do things that you enjoy and you have one life and it could be taken, you know, from any moment. And, and that's, I mean, that's huge. Like what, if you're not having fun and you're not enjoying, what's the point? (laughs) Oh God, I don't want to get down that road. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) No, that's and and we've all like definitely have all gone through. I don't know all, but you and I, I know, have both gone through depression and have gone through kind of that. um, Why am I here? State low. What's that? Why am I even here? State. Yeah, yeah, like that. That low mood of like, what's the point? You know, like, and it's and you kind of have to get to a point where you can decide what the point is. Well, you know, since I actually. The next step that you're about to get to, and I and I want to I want to go there because I know somebody's gonna get touched by this. But um, before we go there, let's just say, back in 2016, my dad ended up committing suicide because of severe depression from all the different stressors that we're talking about right now. So, yeah. I'm asking you, uh, Johanna, are you were was there ever a point in your life you were just like I don't want to be alive anymore. I wouldn't say I got to like full suicidal thoughts. Um, but definitely after I got mono and strep, I would like showers have always been kind of my safe space. And that's when I would release a lot of emotion. And I definitely got to a point of like, like, and I like, I was also 17. And at the time, because of my knee injury, I had volleyball and my volleyball career kind of taken away. And at the time that was like the biggest thing in the world to me. Um, but then I also had a lot of the extra stuff going on, like the change in my hormones, you know, surgery, the illness and everything like that. So had a lot kind of weighing down and it was January, which is already a hard month just because of winter and no sun and we're up in Washington. Um, so I would say at that point, yes, I would, I definitely got to a point of like, what is the point? Is this worth it? I'm not enjoying anything. I don't want to do anything. I have no motivation for anything. And it was tough for sure. So besides like actually, you know, changing the way that your, your relationship to food, the, the different types of foods that you're eating, um, is there, was there any thoughts or different kind of emotions that you triggered? What really helped you out of that, um, you know, borderline suicidal? What, what help you step away from that edge and say, I'm not going to jump off that. I'm not going to jump anymore. Yeah. Um, I would say my mom helped a lot at that time. Um, we have always known that I'm a big sun lover and a sun person. So at that point she was like, Johanna needs something to look forward to. Johanna needs sun. Um, so she had booked a trip to 
Las Vegas for spring break that year. And me being like, that was kind of something that I needed to look forward to. So that, that's definitely something that I try to do is plan fun plan. I love traveling and exploring. It's something I really enjoy doing. So if I kind of ever enter those States, I try to plan something to look forward to. Um, as I've gotten older and I've learned how to kind of manage those, those moods and those down kind of like lulls in life. Cause I definitely still, I don't frequently, and we can talk about this as well. Cause we kind of talked about this in our pre-interview is I've kind of talked about all of my like physical symptoms, but I didn't talk about a lot of the mental symptoms of everything that I went through since I was 17. Um, I guess I'll just talk into it now, but, um, a lot of it was mental for sure. Like I developed anxiety. I had never dealt with anxiety before, at least. So I thought, um, was struggling with depression and I was struggling with just like hysteric moods, like moods that were out of control, um, or out of my control. And I just, I, I would always kind of feel like I, the best way to describe it is like a toilet flushing. Like the second that it, the lever starts to push down, it just goes. And my, my mood would just fall with it. Um, there would be times, this is primarily in college, um, that I would go over to my, my then boyfriend, who's my now husband, but his house. And I would just be absolutely hysterical, like crying and not really knowing why. And just so upset, couldn't control anything. Um, and I think a lot of it definitely had to do with hormones. Um, definitely had a lot going on with my hormones. Um, and I notice now that if I ever experience those lulls and mood and stuff, it definitely has to do with my cycle. Um, so doing stuff to help regulate my hormones, help balance my hormones have definitely helped a lot. Um, and then I've also like, I've done stuff like making sure when the sun is out, I am outside, like, especially in the wintertime here in Washington, like the sun isn't out that often. So I take advantage of it. That's something that my husband and I both try to do. Um, cause he's been helping me work through this, um, is going outside. So like we try to go skiing in the wintertime or go on a walk, just getting fresh air, getting that daylight. Um, that's helped, you know, planning trips has helped. Um, and then when it comes to like supplementation, <clears throat> honestly, cannabis has helped. Um, St. John's wort is huge for me. It works really well for some people. It does not work well for other people. And if you're on birth control, you definitely have to kind of keep in mind that it depletes your birth control. So it makes it not as effective. Um, so if you do take St. John's wort and you're on birth control, just keep that in mind. Um, it works wonders for me. It helps promote a positive mood. It's great. Um, I've tried Kava Kava as well. It works actually really well for my mom. It doesn't work as well for me. I've thought about trying it like in combination with other stuff as well. Um, like doing like a CBD Kava Kava tincture or something like that. Um, but for like supplement wise to get kind of like the most immediate relief, I would say St. John's work cannabis Kava Kava occasionally. Um, and then doing stuff to help with balancing and regulating my hormones has helped tremendously. (laughs) Yes, I am a huge advocate of CBD, THC, <clears throat> marijuana, and hemp. Uh, if nobody mm-hmm. knows this, hemp is like one of the greatest plants on the planet right now. Yep. You could use it to create basically everything. Absolutely. <laughs> you could even eat it and just have a salad with it if you wanted to do that. <laughs> I know some people that I haven't actually, tried that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't tried it yet either, but I know I got a few friends that did and they were like, yeah, it's really good. And I was like, what? I got to try this, dude. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's interesting. Um. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to keep going, you can keep going yeah. or, or I could just begin to ask you some questions. 
Sure. Let's go ahead and go with questions. Okay. Because <clears throat> I know there's stuff that I hasn't, haven't touched on, so I'm sure that there's stuff that you, you'll capture. Well, so there is one thing that I personally have gone through, and I guarantee so many people have gone through, is, and, and this is what I want to know, how did you actually feel every time a doctor failed you? And then you, <laughs> you know, how, how many times, like, obviously yeah. we know, I think you stated almost, what, five or six times that doctors failed you in, mm-hmm. in this whole um, interview so far, but we really haven't got to like, what did that actually make you feel? Was that uh, maybe something that put you into that like dark space oh, where you had to go take sure. a shower? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause I felt like there was a hundred percent something wrong with me, you know, like even when it came to, <clears throat> and this would be interesting to talk about in a little bit, but even when it came to like low sex drive, which we can talk about how that relates to stress, but even to that point, like, struggling with low sex drive I was blaming my relationship I was like are my like are my now husband but like are we not compatible like am I not attracted to him which is like like it's not the case at all it was just I had things going on in my mind like things were out of balance and I felt like there was absolutely something wrong with me so then when you think that there's things wrong with you there's extreme guilt and then the guilt comes stress and then stress comes more you know it's just like a vicious vicious cycle um But yeah, every, every time I, no, honestly, every time I left a doctor's office, I felt hopeful. And then that's what made kind of like that desperate despair afterwards so much worse because they made me feel like this is going to be the supplement. This is going to be what's going to work. This is what I'm going to finally feel better, you know? And when none of that ever happened, it was, it was exhausting and it was, I felt so desperate and like there was absolutely something wrong with me <clears throat> when there wasn't <laughs> is what I want to also finish off with now doing what I do. It's, it's not what's wrong with me. It's what we've been taught and, and everything that we're handed to through magazines and media and our even our just, and not even just, not just the conventional doctors, but even the holistic alternative, I'm putting air quotes, the listeners can't see that, but the alternative doctors too, like, yeah, they're all doing their best. Like I don't necessarily blame them. It's just more so the education that we like, I want to say probably like don't have available to us for specific reasons, which I know you and I are very on the same page for that. But like, I think quite a few people realize why this is not uh, easily at our disposal. Why, why you have to like, actually work very hard to learn what should be just like right in your face in kindergarten. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's funny. So like, even if you take it from like a physical stance, um, my dad's been working with a personal trainer for a bit and he's like, why did I not know how to engage my lats when I was five? Like, why did I not know how to use my core when I was like 10, you know, like we're not taught any of that. Um, and so it's just like, there's so many things that when we're younger, that is like absolutely should be part of our education. I don't know if we'd even be able to grasp it at that point, but even just being talked to and talked about it and having it in our lives, like I think things would happen so much quicker, oh, yeah. but they're just not. And it's, it's so sad. Oh yeah. It's all about planting the seed mainly. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, once the seed grows, you may not even know that that's the tree of life that you're living now, but 
and you don't even know that somebody back when you were four years old planted the seed in your mind. Hey, this is how you work your core, make it work properly and stuff like that. And you know, yeah, no, I completely agree. Actually, I was thinking in, I was yesterday, I think it was yesterday. I was thinking about, for some reason I like grabbed something and my lat helped my arm pull it. And I was remember thinking, I was like, Man, if I knew how to use my lats properly, I would have probably been so much stronger with volleyball. I wouldn't have hurt my shoulders. You know, like there's, if I knew how to do this properly at that age, things would have gone differently. Like, would I have blown my knee if I knew how to properly control and maneuver my body? Maybe not. Um, who knows? But there's yeah, just so many interesting. interesting things. Yeah, there's a lot of things that when we are younger, that if we knew it, what like it almost makes me think like yeah we're always gonna have problems so what problems could we really be tackling if we got rid of all this minutia (laughs) um well yeah i think about that right there like on the daily because i'm always wanting to create a civilization and this just me i always want to (laughs) create a civilization where we like literally collaborate cooperate and work together as like a whole like, like we're one thing, one unit, rather than mm-hmm. just a bunch of people. We're, you yeah. know, I guess they would call that a tribe or a community. And, you know, that's super important to realize that we all have a very critical role to play. And at the same time, if we actually work together, oh, my God, you wouldn't have yeah. any problems. Right. Like, we wouldn't have problems to be tackling. We'd actually have time and freedom to smile, laugh, and, yep. and play. play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Well, I don't know. I'm looking at this question. This is going to take a little bit of a turn, but I kind of want to know this. So we're going to go to the Mexico flight okay. on the way there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hear about this kidney stone Um yeah. Apparently passing. Did it, did you actually pass a kidney stone on the flight? So that's, it's honestly kind of up in the air and this is, it's going to be interesting for listeners that if anyone has passed a kidney stone, they might be like, Oh no, that wasn't a kidney stone. So it may have not been, I had gotten an ultrasound and I did have kidney stones, but I also had an ovarian cyst. So I had both going on. They're both very similar pains. You kind of feel like you're giving birth. Um, like labor contractions. My dad gets kidney stones and has passed them. So definitely could have been, we're not quite sure whether it was a kidney stone or, or an ovarian cyst rupturing either way. Most of the time they send people to the ER. Um, so it was pretty intense. It was really interesting. We, uh, it was also the worst time of the flight. So the, (laughs) so we're seated, buckled up, taken off. So we're between the point of ground and then the 10,000 foot mark. So we're in that point where you like can't get up. All of a sudden I got started getting like hot flashes and sweats. Like I was just sweating and I was like, I'm going to throw up. What the hell? Like I'm going to throw up. Like, where is this coming from? Um, and I think, yeah, it was pretty much nausea, hot flash. I went pale. Like I went completely white. And my mom was like, what is wrong with you? And she wasn't with, she wasn't next to me on the airplane. We were, she was like two rows behind me. And I like looked at her and I was like, I'm going to puke. <laughs> um, and it was then extreme pain. Like, I don't know if you, we're going to talk diarrhea for a sec. You know, when you have like a wave of diarrhea coming on and you get like hot flashes and pain coming, like it was like that, but like times 20. And I was just like, I need to go. Like, I need to go to the bathroom. Um, 
so this is before the 10,000 feet. So <laughs> I think uh, we had like almost gotten to the point. So the um, flight attendant started walking around and I like got up and I was like, it's an, it's an emergency. And I like literally ran to the bathroom. I was going to the bathroom and puking at the same time, going through extreme pain. Um, and my mom like came rushing after me. And then I just sat in the back, like after that had happened, I sat on the back, like on the flight attendant's little seat thing that's kind of in their, their little kitchen. They got me like, I don't know if they got a rag or like a paper towel or like a cold rag, just something to cool me down because I felt like I was going to explode. Um, I think they put it on my head or the, I think on the back of my neck to cool me. And then like five minutes later, I was golden. I had like probably the like best adrenaline rush ever because I had literally just gone through so much pain and I felt so much better after that. And I was fine. It was the wildest, like, no residual effects. It was the wildest five minutes in the, like, taking off on an airplane, probably, I think I've ever experienced. <laughs> well, dang. Yeah, honestly, to, and, and maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but my dad and mom both have been pilots their whole mm -hmm. lives. And so, like, I've been around airplanes my whole life, basically. And, um... If you have an ovarian cyst, I am just guessing that you had way too much blood that flowed right to to a traumatized area in your body, because that's because yeah. when you're hitting like g forces like you would when you take off and get climbing like that, your the blood goes from your head down to your stomach. Oh, interesting. So, so you probably yeah. have way too much pressure down in mm -hmm. your abdominal region, which. You know, I don't know what that yeah. could do, but it does knock people out. I do know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, it, and it could have either been that pressure caused the cyst rupture or yeah. was the blood flow to my kidneys. Did sure. that then trigger a kidney stone? You know, so yeah. we don't really know. And honestly, I felt so good afterwards. I did not care. <laughs> like <laughs> I was like, I got through whatever the hell that was. And my mom and I were just kind of like, we'll just keep our eye on it. And if something happens again then we'll try to find well, some safe you know, place. You, you might have done something with your kidneys because if you had like that great of an adrenaline rush, your adrenal glands sit right on top of your kidneys. So yeah, that's very Yeah, I think it was just the adrenaline rush of one, going through all that pain and your my body probably trying to respond to that. And then two, being like on takeoff on an airplane, going to Mexico, <laughs> being like, how the heck are we going to do this? Like, are we going to have to like ground the plane? Like I thought I was dying. Um, and then all of a sudden that all went away and I was like, what? Like, <laughs> it was bizarre. Um, and then I, the following, so that was June and then the following December is when I ruptured an ovarian cyst. And then I think another couple months later, I did have kidney stones. I was actually urinating some blood. Um, That's kind of scary. It is scary. Yeah. So I went to the urgent care right after that, got ultrasounds and everything that I had three kidney stones I never ended up passing them I don't no I did no 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 I did um and no this is another terrible timing I was at work I was working retail and my coworker just went on lunch break <laughs> and my body decided that was a great time to pass a kidney stone yep so I did pass <laughs> a kidney sucks. stone so you, I can't, twice. you yeah. can't leave at your stuff uh -uh. Oh, yeah it was horrendous ringing somebody up oh god yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no luckily no one was in the store but it was quite quite an experience that I clearly have tried to block out <laughs> <laughs> yeah well um <laughs> I'll let you keep that blocked out I don't know if yeah. I want to 
ask yeah. a question about that. So maybe we can move into, because this is something I feel like everybody deals with one way or another. doesn't really matter where they live. Uh, like people that live down in Phoenix, they probably deal with seasonal depression when it's like so hot mm-hmm. they can't go outside, but their AC broke and like they're waiting for the guy to come fix it kind of thing or you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So let's walk through a uh, seasonal depression and maybe after you're w- done walking through that, let's have a, uh, let's have you give us some remedies that work for you. Maybe they'll work for someone else. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's cause it's not really just winter time for me. Um, I used to live over on the Western side of the state over in Seattle and it's definitely gray a lot of the year there. Um, so it was not necessarily just a wintertime thing. I've just recently moved over to the Spokane area. Um, definitely gets more sunny days, but I've only been here since November. So it's really hard for me to know whether it's um, kind of like a winter thing or if it's just like a gray, cloudy weather type thing that'll happen throughout the year. Um, but yeah, so it definitely gets worse when my hormones are more out of whack or when I'm sick. So like I said, I actually am just recovering from COVID. I actually started to go through a lot of the similar symptoms that I went through when I had mono and strep. Not, um, did I, I kind of went through a slight, slight, slight depressive episode last week. Um, mostly anxiety is kind of what has triggered, what is triggered with sickness for me. Um, but it seems that I get sick in January pretty frequently. So could be also like, you know, seasonal affect, like, is it stress? Is that running my immune system down? So who knows? Um, so I would say sun is in getting outside. I do know even if the sun isn't up, but if I'm stuck inside all day, that definitely, definitely does not help. Um, so just getting outside, breathing fresh air helps a lot going on a walk. Um, regulating my hormones, I think is huge. Like if we are in an estrogen dominant state, which most people are because stress and a lot of our stress itself is estrogenic, but then a lot of our foods and our society and stuff like that are also cause us to be prone to estrogen dominance. Um, when I'm in that state that, and that's something that I'm still struggling with, still recovering from because of all the years of kind of throwing my estrogen progesterone off track. Um, is when that starts to get out of whack, I definitely notice certain times of my cycle, I'll start to get a little bit lower moods. Um, and I think that I'm more prone to that if I'm inside more or in this winter time more. Interesting. You know, you said something just now and I'm kind of curious, can a guy, can a male figure be estrogen dominant? Is this possible? 100%, because percent. Yes. I'm you want to fig- talk about soy? <laughs> Yes. yes. Well, I was, that's what I was kind of getting to It's like, okay, food, you said food stresses you out. And, but then you said stress, which on its physical level, cortisol itself is very estrogen, uh, estrogenetic, whatever. Anyway. So, wow. I didn't know that. A hundred percent. So men have testosterone and estrogen. I guess women have progesterone, testosterone and estrogen. Say that again. Cause I almost interrupted. That's okay. So for male sex hormones, they have testosterone and estrogen. Female sex hormones are progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone, the main groups. Um, there's all uh, aldosterone and everything like that as well. Um, but yes, absolutely, 100% men can be estrogen dominant. And when they are, that's honestly, for lack of a better word, man boobs, estrogen okay. dominance. 
um, having a lot of excess belly fat, estrogen dominance typically, having mood swings, um, anxiety, depression, likely can be attributed to estrogen dominance, mind racing, stuff like that. So, so, and I'm not going to say any names, but I do help coach some guys with physical issues. Mm-hmm. And one of the main ones that has come about mainly, I think it's because we, you know, a lot of foods are bad for us. A lot of our, you know, our daily routines and what we, or experiences are not really pleasant and they're kind of stressful. Mm-hmm. And also like various different people use drugs and stuff like that. But can erectile dysfunction be connected to a male that is estrogen dominant? Is absolutely. that is that like, can that be a real symptom for him? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, um, men typically have testosterone highest in the morning. So there's the term morning wood. Yeah. And that's a spike of testosterone th- flowing through your body. So if you don't typically get that, that's a sign that your testosterone might be low. And then if you're having a hard time getting erect, absolutely. Um you could be one low testosterone and or high estrogen. They don't also have to go hand in hand. You can be low in both. You can be high in both too. They don't necessarily, they're not like a seesaw where one's high, one's low. Same thing for women. So same thing, like you can be low progesterone, low estrogen. You could be high one or the other, you know, like they don't necessarily act as a seesaw. Um, And so that's kind of something to keep in mind too. Oh, it's more like a mixer board. They all have their own individual knobs. Mm -hmm. wow and there's definitely like tendencies like if you are estrogen dominant you like the tendency is to be low progesterone does that mean you have to be no okay okay because yeah no there's a few there's a few males out there that i'm working with trying to help them and honestly (laughs) i struggled that in my own life so it's like Mm -hmm. i don't really know what to do for them except you should probably eat some more fruit, dude, instead yeah, of cheeseburgers honestly, all day. Yeah, honestly, stuff that boosts testosterone helps a lot. Like, stay um, away from McDonald's, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, staying away from GMOs, staying away from... Soy is hugely estrogenic. Um, in the book that I recommended you, the How to Heal Your Metabolism, which I highly recommend the whole world needs to read. Um, I do, too. She has a whole... What's that? I do, too. Yeah, I, I it's love so that good. book. It's so good. Um but she has a whole section on, so I don't know if you're in that yet, but basically we consume like, like hundredfold more of soy than what we should be. And soy is hugely estrogenic. So soy, I don't know if it'd be interesting to see like the viewer's response to this and you wouldn't know this cause you don't menstruate, but if you're menstruating and you're bleeding, if you drink some soy milk, it cuts your flow in half. I used to do it pre-knowing about soy. I used to do it when I was in high school to help cut my flow so I wouldn't be bleeding as much. It literally messes with your flow that much that quickly. Well, if it's doing that to females, like what? And, 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 you know, once you're going through your cycle, that's the only way to see that. What is it doing when you're not in your cycle? Cause that's like the same kind of effect for a guy that never has a cycle. Yep. Well, yeah. Maybe he does, but it, he's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Men typically, <laughs> men cycle in a 24 hour period. That's why their testosterone is typically highest in the morning because um, sperm is recreated each day. Um, but women cycle on a typical, typically um, around a 28 day cycle or so. But yeah, it, it absolutely messes with us. And, you know, like 
Soy is estrogenic. Gluten can be if it's not processed properly. Pesticides are estrogenic. Medications, anti-anxiety medications, anti-depression, everything like that, which is so interesting because what does high estrogen cause? You know, mental health issues. They cause anxiety and depression. But then our anti-anxiety and depression drugs also cause high estrogen. So it's that evil cycle. Like it's a feedback loop, right? You know, yeah. NSAIDs, Advil, Tylenol, they all affect estrogen. Poor quality dairy with cows that are fed Skittles, which I kid you not, that's a thing. They're highly estrogenic. You know, it's it our environment. Like we also, so something that I kind of touched on earlier is anemia. Um, and kind of in my most recent studies is anemia really isn't a thing. You might read that you're anemic on a lab, like you might read that you're low on iron in the lab, but we have so much iron. We have iron in our water, we have iron in our foods, because kind of what we were talking about earlier is our environment has kept us sick and the way our growing practices, our our soil is not as nutritious as it used to be. And, you know, everything in the air and the water and everything like that. Um, Birth control pills are super high on iron. Then we're we do labs and they say that we need more iron supplements. And then, you know, it's just, there's so much iron actually in our system. Our body just doesn't have the proper minerals and vitamins to actually process the iron. So where we're doing the labs is in, in an incorrect point of our body. And then we're not having the proper cofactors to then compute the iron properly to actually use the iron. But what's really interesting about iron, it's called iron overload is it's highly estrogenic and it also feeds pathogens look what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a lot of gut issues and we're dealing with a lot of hormonal issues. So there's so much in our life, not sleeping, you know, our food, iron overload, just everything that is estrogenic and look at what the things that we deal with. You know what? You said it right there. The overloads, I think our actual problem today that we're facing and may have been facing this for the last hundred years, last two or three generations is literally our biochemistry is just messed up com- oh, yeah. completely screwed up and it's why people why we get so sick all the time and, and mm-hmm. why people are getting lots of cancers because um another friend of mine that actually is going to school over in ukraine told me that you have anywhere up to a thousand mini she called them mini tumors every day of your life but mm-hmm. your immune system knows how to uh get rid of those and flush them out of your body just as fast as they come in. She goes, when mm-hmm. they start to overgrow, it's because your immune system is some way somehow being suppressed by something going on inside your body. And mm-hmm. it's usually mm-hmm. dealing with an imbalance. And, mm-hmm. I, I'm like, and what suppresses an immune system? Stress. stress. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh God. Yep. Well, you know, speaking of a stressful environment, we talked about this before. We haven't uh, come close to talking about it now. And I want to see, because um, I believe I remember this correctly, but I want to see. You said that you were getting, you, you have like a seasonal illness that comes around in around the month of January. And mm-hmm. you also mm-hmm. deal with a little bit more seasonal depression. Mm-hmm. you've noticed in the month of January is mm-hmm. there is there something that has happened in your early childhood that was in the month of January that you know you might still be working through mm-hmm. um not necessarily in the month of January but when I was five um my half-sister passed away 
um, in a ski accident. And we've kind of talked about this before, but um, it was something like when I was five years old, I, I don't like, obviously I, I knew that she was gone. I knew that she wouldn't be coming back, but at five years old, it's kind of hard to grasp death. Um, and so I remember just more so my family being upset. I, they have told me that I was like walking around handing tissues to people and stuff like that. So I don't think I really like processed that because I was so young. And then shortly after, I believe it was a year or two later, my mom's dad died. And then a year after that, her mom died. So lost two grandparents within a couple years or so of losing my sister And then it would be, I think, around five years after that, I lost my grandma, who was the one that I was actually close with, um, to, or I lost her when I was 12. Um, Now, it's kind of interesting because my sister, I didn't really get to know her because I was five when she died. Like, I I didn't really know her. I I have photos with her, and I have, like, some faint memories with her. I don't know if they're necessarily my own memories or if they're memories that have been told to me by my family. Um... My grandpa was a very large kind of scary man. Like I think he was probably a teddy bear that I would have really loved and would have gotten to know as I got older, but he kind of scared me when I was younger. And then his wife, who's my mom's mom, she was diagnosed with MS uh, well before I was born. So I didn't really know her. Um, And then my grandma on my dad's side, the one that I was actually close to, um, she had a stroke. I believe it was in the eighties that really severely changed her. Um, so I didn't really know her that much either. Um, so went through a lot of death, which as, as a child, I don't necessarily think that I knew that was stressful and I didn't fully know what was going on. And because I didn't know them all that well, I wasn't necessarily sad. Um, I I was sad definitely when my grandma died because I was 12 and I was kind of understanding things more at that time. Um, but so there was a lot to process, I think at a very young age. Um, that I didn't necessarily know how to process or know to process because I was so young. So I definitely think that that kind of started off my life a little bit more stressful, which is something that like, it's interesting when I said earlier of like, my doctors had said like, basically your adrenals have crashed and they're not producing cortisol anymore because of stress in your life. But then we never really talked about what caused stress in my life. And it wasn't honestly really until I talked to you, Jay, that I was like, I mean, I said this earlier today that I, you asked me, what did I experience when I was a child? And I was like, oh, nothing. I'm fine. (laughs) You know? And then, (laughs) and then I thought about it and I was like, holy shit. Like I lost a lot of very like influential people that like more so could have been influential in my life that I didn't necessarily have a chance to get to know. Um, so I'm like questioning, I'm like, have I really processed a lot of that? Um, or is it just something that I kind of just went through because I was so young and I didn't know to process it? Yeah, no, that's very true. If anybody is listening and wants to know a little bit of something that I actually know, uh, why she may have struggled processing it is because in the first seven years of her life cycle, and they made a cartoon about this, so just pay pay attention and watch out (laughs) because it's not very good. It's called SpongeBob, and they're actually trying to tell you that within the first seven years of your life, which let's look at what she said. Five years old is when her sister passed away in a skiing accident. Six years old is when, let's get this correct, mother's dad passed away. Yes. And then at seven years old, mother's mom passed away. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's that's actually a lot of stress. And what I'm getting to about SpongeBob is in the first seven years of your life, you are a sponge. You soak up every 
particle of information that's flowing around you throughout your entire environment. And, and, and you're saying that you were passing around tissues, or at least you were told that. Mm-hmm. What, what, do you, what, what do you think you would be even feeling and thinking? Like, what are you trying to do passing around tissues? Like, if you were to do that right now, why would you be passing around tissues? What are you trying yeah. to accomplish? Make people around me feel better. I think that's kind of what I was focused on when I was little. And I would probably still do that now. I'm definitely a person that I try to take care of those around me um, before. I've definitely gotten better as I've gotten older, but before kind of addressing myself and what I need. And I mean, that quality, selflessness is absolutely important. No matter who we are, we need to practice that. (laughs) But at the same time, if you're going to be whatever... I don't even want to give a number. If you're going to be this much selfless, you also have to practice the opposite and be that much selfish. Mm-hmm. And being selfish is not a bad thing. It means you're taking care of you and you're filling your cup. And as long as your cup is full, then maybe you can go out and fill somebody else's cup as well. Or mm-hmm. at least help them fill their own cup. That's actually the real goal. You yeah. don't want to use your water and fill it with their water because now you're empty. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. showing them... And, and a lot of spiritual teachers bring this to the table, showing, you know, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make them drink it. So, mm-hmm. but showing them that they are able to drink the water, meaning like this interview and these podcasts, showing you that you can come forward and, and bring your story to the table and we're willing to listen to you is absolutely, you know, very important. We all have to learn from each other's examples and, mm-hmm. um, grow together because that's the only way we're going to make it and yeah slow and steady wins the race don't try to do it fast or you might as well just go alone yep yeah (laughs) totally well and i think that's kind of i mean full picture why i have kind of ended up in the path that i've ended up because i've i have gone through a lot when it comes to my health and my like early beginnings of my life and we talked about it earlier each time i saw a doctor and didn't get help that I was seeking. Like, first off, the fact that I was even seeking help is something that a lot of people don't even do. So I was trying to get help and I was trying to seek help, but then to seek the help and then just get let down is sad. Like, and it's, it's, it makes you feel very desperate and it makes you feel like there's something wrong with you and that there are no, there is no help. And so I think that's kind of part of my mission is one explaining, Hey, just cause something might feel normal or like bloating's normal hormones are crazy is normal. PMS is normal. It doesn't have to be, or like, just because you're a woman doesn't mean you have to have a low sex drive. You know, like I'm, that's kind of my goal is being like, you don't have to feel this way and I can help you get from point A to point B. Like there is that life where you can thrive. It is out there and you can get it. Um, and I think that's kind of what, like, what you're talking about is like leading the horses to the water, but they may not even know that the water's there in the first place. And so showing them like, Hey, that water is over there and you can get it and you deserve to get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. Like they could be sniffing it mm-hmm. and, and have no idea. Like this is what's going to be the next best thing in their life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I, I, that's why I do an outreach program and I try to, I try to go everywhere trying to hear everybody's stories is because you know, and I've heard lots of crazy stories and you mm-hmm. never realize what somebody's going through. You can look at them dead in their eyes and not even know that 
that's what they've gone through. Like we were just talking about before we started this interview, one of our good friends, like, you know, she moved over to Europe for the last five years and, and finally moved back. And wow, her voice is completely different. Like mm-hmm. y- there's, you never know what you're going to be going through in your life mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. how that's going to actually affect you and, and mold you and mm-hmm. change you. And, and yeah, so that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Maybe <laughs> I don't really know where I want to take this. <laughs> we we put a lot on the table here. Well, okay, so you have put out lots of good of a, lots of great advice, but um for anybody that's struggling right now, maybe they're going to a doctor. Maybe they're like you and they're saying like I'm not going to a doctor anymore. Mm-hmm. They're giving up. They don't know what to do with their health and you know, they're tired of YouTubing and reading articles on WebMD or whatever, and mm. they don't know where to go or what to do. Um, what advice are you going to, what advice do you give them? Um, kind of what we were talking about earlier, that there is, it's not you. Honestly, most of our genetic predispositions, have you heard, do you know what epigenetics are? Yep. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> For the viewers, epigenetics are basically the way that um, your environment impacts the way your genes are expressed so a lot of things are we're go ahead oh um to help people understand that in super simple english because i have dyslexia myself so i have to break things down and (laughs) make it like really easy for me to understand the way i understand epigenetics is exactly what she said but i just say it is this is how the genes dance this is their the way they dance and the and you know just like individual humans you could have multiple different styles of dancing like square dancing swing dancing you know edm hip-hop dancing whatever it doesn't matter country hoedown dancing (laughs) so our genes are (laughs) yeah exactly our genes are exactly the same way they dance i mean we're made up of so many cells and they all combine together and, and they all have their way of dancing and there is a very um smooth perfect flowing way of dancing and that's what we would call perfect health or or mm-hmm. yeah balanced Free nutrition flow. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so, and would you say that the music is kind of the environment so the music that's around you is how your genes oh, yeah. are then dancing yes exactly yes yeah yeah i like that um so that's basically what i would say is like I'm kind of forgetting our question. Um, oh, what advice would you would you give them if they're giving up on okay, uh, doctors and you know they don't want to do YouTube videos anymore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't find uh, the answers they're looking for. Nothing's working. They're trying all these different diets. Like, what advice yeah. would you give them? I would say look at your epigenetics. Like, look at your environment because just because something is genetic does not mean you're predisposed for getting it. Um, you can change your diet. You can change your lifestyle. You you are in control of that. Um, and it is possible to find that smooth dance, you know, to find that flow. Um, I would also recommend honest, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a practitioner, but work with someone, have someone in your court, have someone looking at you that's putting time on like spending their time on you and your history and your background. Um, that is huge. Having, having someone that you're working with, like whether it's a doctor or a practitioner or a nutritionist or a health coach, 
or a mental health coach or emotional health coach, um, having someone help you process things and point things out. Cause sometimes you might be too close to the picture to figure it out on your own, having someone in your court and getting that support and a different perspective, um, is huge. And that will be, you can, you can do it without doing that, but it's going to take a lot longer and it's going to be a lot harder and it might be a lot lonelier depending on who your support system is. So that kind of leads into the next piece of advice I would love to hear is so there's somebody that actually, you know, they probably have a really good support mechanism and maybe they're working with coaches and they're getting really close and we might actually be talking somewhat about what you're kind of going through currently, but what advice would you give someone that's right there at the finish line about to be fully balanced with their health and chemistry, but they're, you know, they're just, they're getting exhausted because the battle is yeah. really taking a toll. What, what would you say to those types of people? To be completely blunt, it's not going to end. <laughs> we will, you know, like we are always going to be dealing with something because of our environment and because of, because of the media, because of our work life balances, because life happens, it's never, you can't aim for perfect. You can't aim for a hundred percent because that's not really a thing. You just have to aim to enjoy and to, you know, to, and that's where I think really it's like focus on the process, not the end goal because you will be exhausted because there's no end goal. I actually just learned something. That's good. Maybe I should stay focused on the process. Yeah. It's because it, I mean, what are you like, if you're shooting for like, yeah. So let's say for me, for example, I'm doing pretty well symptomatically for sure. Are there things that I can work on a hundred percent? Like absolutely. Because my goal is to thrive. There's always things that I can do. You're never going to be perfect. You're never going to have every single area in your life completely in line. Um, so it is a hundred percent exhausting if that's your goal, you know? And, but you might get something in line and then, you know, someone dies or you lose your job and then you go spiraling down, you know? So that's kind of where I say what happened to me. Yeah. So it's like, you might have something completely in line. You might be feeling good, but it could get taken away at any moment. And so having the goal of perfect and having the goal of a hundred percent, is that realistic? Man, I, I moved back to Chelan in 2014 from college and I, uh, I realized I really hated myself. And finally, a year later in 2015, I decided, and it was like almost the end of the year of 2015. It was September. Uh, yeah, leading into September of 2015, I decided, you know what? I'm going to change everything. I'm going to start taking care of myself. I'm going to fix everything. I'm going to do all good. And I did. I started eating you know, salads and fruits and whole foods. And I started researching a bunch of different stuff, staying away from processed foods as much as I could. I was still like in the binge every now and then. And then it got to the point, well, it, it was really awesome. Actually, I felt great. I quit smoking and all that stuff. And then one day um, we get a phone call and my dad passed away and, and literally like six months, it wasn't till about six months after that, I went to Costa Rica and had some awesome experiences, but felt absolutely free after that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm there was a problem there. I never actually dealt with the fact that, you know, I miss my dad, even though he's a douchebag and a complete fucking <laughs> druggy and alcoholic and mean to me, he's still mm-hmm. somebody I could have talked to about mm-hmm. male things. Maybe if anything, um, even though that advice has never 
any good, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, he had 50 girlfriends in the first five (gasps) years of my life. So, well, it's a little bit different than that, but it's pretty much that. And, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I realized like that's where a lot of my stress was coming from is, uh, even me, I was putting him down internally and uh, everyone else was putting him down of how, you know, because he was not very nice of a dude. Um, but I also realized the truth of him. And, yeah. and you know, we all realize the truth of ourselves. Even when we're being the person that's not very happy or being rude or our moods are off on the deep end, we also know, like, why are we like this? Mm-hmm. What is mm-hmm. going on? If you feel that way, if you're listening to this right now and you feel that you know you got a problem and you think you are the problem, first of all, you're not the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might not be helping the problem, but you're not the problem. And second of all, just reach out. Like Join the Facebook community group that I've designed. Um, go on my website, walkandtalkradio.com. Uh, the link will be in the description box down below and check out Johanna's website of what she does one-on-one. So actually I'm not going to talk about that. I would love (laughs) to hear you talk about that. So let's go ahead and dive into that. You opened up your own business um, Mm -hmm. because of all the disappointments in your life of (laughs) different doctors and not getting the health you need and, or, or advice you need and, and treatments and 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 maybe i don't know you could dive into this too what about like support mechanisms we obviously know that uh, your husband dylan is a a great support for Mm -hmm. you but um Mm -hmm. besides that yeah dive into all that let's hear about your business okay um yeah so for support mechanisms i have awesome family connections super close to my parents getting a lot closer with my brother which has been really cool um awesome husband awesome friend so like I definitely have a lot of support but kind of as I talked about a little bit more earlier is I do tend to take things on my own and I, I'm a problem solver I'm, in a fi- I'm a fixer and so I can tend to do a lot of things on my own so even though I'll have that support system I won't necessarily rely and lean on them um, so that's something I've really been trying to do over the past like honestly I'd probably say since my husband and I got engaged I was like I have this person that's willing to help me and willing to be there. And I need to lean into that relationship. Um, So I've been really trying to do that and trying to really be open with my parents and and lean into the relationships that I have, which is something that I think um, a lot of people can struggle with. Um, And just, I mean, even if you don't have necessarily like a person with you, like lean into your animals, you know, or like I'm a huge like indoor plant person, like I'll lean into caring for my plants because that's very healing for me. So like leaning into the things that make you feel better and take some of the weight off of your chest can help a lot. Um, so that's kind of what I have switched to with my business is I became a nutritional therapy practitioner through the Nutritional Therapy Association. Um, I kind of like to describe the nutritional therapy practitioner role as like <clears throat> kind of like a detective for the history of you. Um, so it's, I, I don't really like the term nutritionist necessarily because people, when they hear nutritionists, they're like, oh, you're going to give me a meal plan and tell me what to eat and when to eat and how much to eat. And, and it's all about food. And well, yeah, food is a huge piece of the picture. There's also like, we've talked about sleep, stress, you know, having fun, uh, the 
nutrient breakdown of the food that we are eating. You know, it's not just about like protein, carbs, and fat, that type of a thing. It's also some people view food as just like calories in versus calories out. And it's, it's so much more than that. So basically I kind of look at everything that's going on, everything that you've ever gone through, whether you're breastfed or not, whether you're born vaginally or not, whether what your childhood was like, you know, asking questions like you asked me, like what happened when you were seven? And I like clearly need to ask myself that. And so that's actually a great testimony to having someone work on you in your court because I am too close to my own picture sometimes. Um, so that's what I like to do for, or that's what I do for Wild Muse is I do a lot of research. I work uh, with everything that you can give me, um, your entire history. Am I coming in okay? Yeah, yeah, you're okay, perfect. Um, but yeah, so work through everything. And I spend... I was kind of, I was adding it up, depending on the complexity of your symptoms in your case, I spend an upwards of 40 hours on each client, um, which is something that I think, unfortunately, our traditional and conventional health industry does not do. We look, our traditional doctors and practitioners look at a chart, spend maybe an hour with you, give you a recommendation, and then they're off to see the next one. Um, so I think that's something that's pretty special about nutritional therapy or kind of taking that holistic lens is spending that time because that's what you're paying me for. Like that is what I am here for is to spend that time on you to piece things together, to figure out what's going on. Cause you deserve that. Um, so my program is about three months long. Um, we will go over anything and everything. I'm an, I'm available and limited to my clients um, via messaging or email for that period of time. So you can ask me a question whenever something comes into your mind and I will answer it or do my best to find the answer if I don't know the answer. Um, and we kind of work together. We, we look at all the foundations of your health, <clears throat> your sleep patterns, your stress levels, your food intake, your hydration levels, your fat intake, mineral balance, everything like that. Um, and then address what's going on. And honestly, most of the time, like I don't run labs in my practice because labs aren't honestly, like the majority of the time aren't super necessary because we haven't even addressed the foundations most of the time first. Once you address the foundations, a lot tend to resolve. Yeah, I'm kind of a conspiracy theorist. Like I don't really <laughs> trust these numbers they say that we're supposed yeah. to be within. Like, you know, mm -hmm. that could be skewed at any point. Like they could just yep. change it. Oh, that's actually the number you're supposed to be in because of a new study done at Harvard. Or, oh, yep. no, we need to lower these numbers. Well, it's like, okay. Yeah. I'm not and who sides those numbers? So like, and uh, if you want to talk conspiracy, the <laughs> vitamin D numbers, vitamin D is a huge supplement that's recommended very frequently. I never recommend it for my clients. Um, all of a sudden vitamin D charts changed and <laughs> of course the levels changed and guess who it was changed by someone that makes a, lot that of owns a vitamin D company. Oh yeah. <clears throat> so there's a lot follow of stuff. We definitely have to follow the money. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Like follow the money behind the studies that are deciding things. Exactly. <clears throat> well, Oh, I don't even like thinking about that because I know that's it's too much. <laughs> well, that right there. There's so much. Yeah, that right there simply just states a very realistic thing, and that is there is no money in healthy people. Mm -hmm. So if you're gonna go to our allopathic medicine uh, and try to find a cure or an answer, you might as well just like not do that. You're better off just doing what you're doing. 
because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they're going to make it worse, especially yeah. with antibiotics. Maybe you could touch on that real fast. What does yeah. antibiotics actually do to the body's microbiome system? Oh, it wrecks it. It absolutely wrecks it. Um, <clears throat> kind of depends on the strength and how long you're on it for. <clears throat> but I mean, there's a reason why women get typically get UTIs after going on a round of antibiotics. And it's because honestly, men do too. Um, because I like to view antibiotics as, so view biotics in your body. You have good ones, pro, and then you have bad ones, um, bacteria, um, or bad bacteria in your body. And when you take an antibiotic, it wipes both teams out. So it wipes both of the militaries out. Well, our bad bacteria is a hell of a lot stronger, just like weeds in a garden than our good ones. So what comes back after going on a run of antibiotics, the bad ones pop up and the good ones we have to slowly reintroduce and build back up to then take over. So that military can win over the bad ones again. So when we take antibiotics, it wipes everything out good and bad. Um, and absolutely. I think that was a huge part to everything that I have going on. I had one client that went on 10 rounds of antibiotics in two years. What are you serious? Yeah, 10 rounds in two years. And she has extreme food intolerances and gut dysbiosis. After working together, a lot of them have resolved, but it's going to be a while before she's like fully, completely back to normal with her digestive system because she went on 10 rounds of antibiotics. Her doctor just gave it to her like candy. And it's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Am I against antibiotics? No, I absolutely think they have their place. It's the same thing with most prescription drugs. They absolutely have their place. But we hand them out so easily and so willy nilly without really concern for what are they going to do long-term? What are their long-term side effects? What are they doing? Are they going to cause side effects right now? And what are they really doing to our body? And how long is it going to take to recover from them? Yeah. Well, that could be a lifetime if we, yeah. Yeah. Cause you know what, People don't realize this, but I used to work on cars and it's like all the different sprays and oils and and fumes that come from that. That's, you know, whether we want to believe it or not, that that's toxic to you. Like even if carbon dioxide is the only thing coming out of the exhaust pipe of a car, which it's not because there's a thing called hydrocarbons. This is unburned raw fuel just being sprayed into the air. Like, that's toxic for you to be breathing in. And how many cars, <laughs> everybody's got their own car. Well, almost everybody, I know. Mm-hmm. Some people mm-hmm. don't, but it's like, that's not good. We should all go back to our bicycles. Not your electric right. bike. You got to pedal, right. bro. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, and it even comes down to the stuff that we put on our skin, our lotions, our shampoos, our deodorants. Talk about deodorant. Um, you know, all of these things that we put into our body that's it's toxic. Um, another great example is the supplement industry. We haven't even talked about that yet, but the supplement industry is no better than big pharma. Absolutely. And they're highly un, like nobody's watching them, even though the FDA isn't really the greatest thing in the world. Nobody's still watching them. Like, well, and that's, yeah, it's kind of like, I, I kind of am struggling balancing on that fine line of like wanting regulations, but not wanting regulations. It's more so of like, I, we need to have more people talk about how to get past the minutia to support the smaller companies that are actually putting quality products out there, finding them and supporting them and voting with our dollars. Um, but the supplement company, like, Oh, take vitamin D, take vitamin C, take B, B vitamins, everything like that. They're all drive. Not all, 
a lot of them are derived from synthetics. A lot like B vitamins, a lot of them are grown off of mold or they're extracted from coal tar. You know, vitamin C on the back, it says ascorbic acid. That's not even full, the full molecule of vitamin C. That's the outer ring of vitamin C. And if you take that, it can throw off other things. So that's our supplement industry. It's just, it's, it's, it's not a supplement industry. It's a money-making industry, just like big pharma, just like every industry is a money-making industry. Yeah. And what makes money sick people just kind of like we're talking about. So it's, I mean, we're taking they're going to be a return doing, customer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if, yeah. If they're sick, they'll just keep coming back for more and yep. more and more until you get to the point where you're listening to this podcast and you're giving up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Absolutely. And so it's just, I mean, our, we put toxic things on our bodies cause we don't know any better. We breathe toxic things. We're eating toxic things and it's just, and it's, that's the other thing too is we can't go so extreme where we eliminate all toxins and we live a toxic free lifestyle that's purely not possible so it's more so trying to find that balance how do we support our body how do we become more resilient um to all the toxins and stressors in life and then kind of go from there nice well we're probably going to wrap it up here in a little bit but let's go ahead and ask some personal uplifting questions and then we'll move on to uh basically who you became and what you are doing today and a little bit more inspiration there as well. So let's go with this one. Are you ready? Absolutely. Who are the three most influential people in your life today? Ooh. And are we talking about like anyone. people that I, anyone, anyone, it could be, you know, people that wrote a book, something, mm-hmm. anything, just the three most influential people in your life. I think, um, it's hard to combine everyone into one, into my whole life. <laughs> um, I will definitely group, I'm going to group my parents as one. Okay. Well, they are technically <laughs> one union. <laughs> yeah. But they're the, the unit of my parents, I would say are absolutely influential. I mean, they, they provided an awesome childhood with promoting going outside, growing your own food. My dad's an organic orchardist. I don't know if we really talked about that much, but he was the second organic orchardist in Washington state. So he's kind of had, what's that? I didn't know that. That's cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's definitely had kind of like that long-term vision of organic and kind of sustainable agriculture. Um, my mom has been like, she has always been interested in the health and wellness field. Um, she used to have her own like uh, canning and preserving business. So she would do jams, jellies, pickles, stuff like that. Um, she's always prioritized stuff that we put in our body and, and that it's important. So I think that they've both, <clears throat> obviously played a huge influential role. They're my best friends and I love them. Um, so I definitely think that they like as a unit definitely are, are my most influential. I'd have to say, um, honestly, I d- don't know her, but just her work that she has put out would be Kate Deering. She's the author of how to heal your metabolism. She's absolutely changed my life when it comes to kind of her approach to health. Um, she just did such a good job at, putting everything into one book that you can understand whether you have like a nutrition and a science background, or if you're just average Joe, just wanting to read about your health, you can understand that book. Um, so I think she's hugely influential. And then there's her mentors that I would also say are kind of like influential to me as well. Uh, but I think she is the, the person that I found that probably played the biggest impact in kind of my practice and how I go about everything. Um, and then, yeah, I'd have to say my husband as well. He's definitely like like taught me to live every day to the fullest and my my best friend and biggest support system. 
Nice. So, leading into the next question, who was always by your side through thick and thin? This would be the person or people, could be more than one, that always saw the best in you, even when you didn't see that yourself. They always saw the potential that you had and have and will always have, even when you couldn't see it. And they knew and know your greatness still to this day. Uh, this person or group of people um, who never let you forget how awesome and amazing you are. I think it's going to be similar people. I'd have to say my husband for sure. Um, I mean, we met when I was 16 turning 17. So he has been through all of this with me. Um, I like have joked around with him that he got like two months of the good Johanna. And after that, it's been kind of a health shit storm <laughs> that he's been dealing with, but Hey, we're, we're getting back to that good Johanna. Um, but he's always been able to see that, see the good and help me through it. And, you know, he's, he's been tough, been tough with being able to help. Like it's hard seeing someone else go through something that he like, he could be there to support me, but he couldn't necessarily make me feel better or make my symptoms go away or anything like that, which that's a hard position to see someone that you love go through those things and not be able to do a lot for them. Um, which he did way more than he probably even realizes. But I definitely think that like, he has been absolutely like right there by my side the whole time. Um, and then, yeah, my parents as well. They've, I mean, they, I was not at the time of when I went through mono and kind of like that, that three week period of kind of dealing with really low moods and depression, anxiety. My parents were there. I was not a happy person. I was very angry and would snap and, and they dealt with it and just wanted me to feel better. And, and they always saw the good. So. That's beautiful. Oh man. <laughs> Love hearing the support mechanisms. Uh, what keeps you motivated every day? doing what you do and being the person you are today? Um, kind of like I'd say one is the wanting to thrive in my life and not wanting to waste it. Cause as I learned at a young age, it could be taken away from me any moment. Um, and then I also have to say like my future children, hoping that I, <laughs> that I'm like going to be blessed with having children, um, are like a huge motivator for me and how I'm setting up kind of my lifestyle, um, how my husband and I are working towards our finances. So we're, so we're set up and we're steady and secure. Um, I'd say that's a huge, huge motivator. Like my family is probably, obviously, as you can tell with your last two questions, my family is huge to me. Um, so being able to put myself in a position where I can then raise a family and be that support system for them and have even a bigger support system for them, for me, um, is a huge motivator. That's awesome. So they always ask this in high school, <laughs> but I'm not going to ask the 10 year question. <laughs> I am just wanting to know what is your vision for yourself and your family, meaning mm -hmm. your husband and mm -hmm. even the rest of your family and your career venture practice. Um, let's just, what is that going to look like in the next five years for you? Mm -hmm. What do you want it to look like? Yeah. Um, I would definitely love to be, absolute full-time dedicated to wild news. Um, one of my goals is to create an online course so more people can have be or have access to my services. Um, but they take it on their own pace rather than working with me one-on-one -on -one. or potentially doing something with groups where I work with a group of people, they can have each other as a support system, but then also have my guidance when they're kind of navigating through things. Um, so that's definitely a goal of mine, kind of growing my business in that, uh, that sense. Um, I'm very much so hoping that children come 
when I'm ready and and I'm hoping that's probably after about five years or so I'm I'm not quite looking we're not quite looking to have children quite so soon um so I think that'll be just beyond that five-year mark or so we'll see um but yeah I mean I really would love my husband and I are hoping to buy a piece of property this year and I'd really love to do that and kind of develop some land and we've talked about it in our previous call but I'm huge into landscaping and gardening and I'd love to be able to have that around and you know, just kind of, I would really love goats. I used to always joke around with my husband that I'm going to put goats in our vows. Didn't do it. Didn't, couldn't figure out how to exactly wiggle them in there, but I really would love to own some goats, (laughs) (laughs) some chickens perhaps. (laughs) Hey, goats are good. They, they stomp the land and bring back some nutrients and eat up some grass we don't want around. Yep, absolutely. I love goats. They make me laugh. They make me have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. They smell weird, but okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. But they are funny. They crack me up. Oh, I, I grew up on a farm, so <laughs> I love all wildlife. You know, mm-hmm. that's something I would love personally is to have like an animal farm, mm-hmm. or, like an animal rescue shelter. That would be, mm-hmm. that'd be beautiful. All yep. kinds of animals. Bring them over. Let's fix them up. Give them a good life. Make their mm-hmm. body a little bit more alkaline, less acidic, have them have a yeah. good environment, and then, you know, just go out there and live and do what you do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, I always have a signature question, and uh, so I'm going to throw it at you. If money was not an option, nor existed, and we did not know what it was, what would you do with your life every single day? kind of goes back to my five-year goal of having land with gardening um, and farming and stuff like that, which is, it's kind of comical that I say that because my dad's an orchardist and he's like, well, what do you mean you don't want to take over the orchard? <laughs> but if money, the unfortunate thing about orcharding and stuff like that is when money comes into play, then it's, the fun is kind of taken out of it. Um, so if money was not a thing, I would def- definitely focus on gardening, focus on kind of like that home that, uh, what is the word homesteading, um, you know, and kind of getting back to our ancestors, living a more peaceful life and probably never turning on my phone. Off grid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Maybe you keep it to keep in touch with friends and family, but you know, never like screw the news. Yeah. Screw the news. Turn communist news network off. <laughs> If anyone want to know what CNN stood for. Yeah, right. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on the show today. I absolutely love this interview. I learned so much and I bet there's a lot of people who are going to learn a lot. So where can we find your presence and how can we get in contact with you? Yeah. Um, so I am on social media. I'm on Instagram. It's at Wild News Wellness. All, all word, one word, no, no periods or anything like that. Um, my website is www.wildmeeswellness.com. So it's the same as my Instagram handle. I'm also on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. Um, and then you can also email me at hello at wildmeeswellness.com. Um, but yeah, reach out to me. And if you have any questions about anything that we talked about today, I'd love to chat. Um, obviously, I'm a chatty Kathy. I enjoy talking and socializing. So, And I love learning. So if you have information that you think, oh, Johanna would love this, please send it my way. Awesome. Thank you. So we are actually going to be dropping a link down below in the description box of her website. I'm not going to give her email out. You can go to her website and find all of her information (laughs) there. (laughs) And thank you for tuning in and enjoying this episode with all of us. Thanks, Jay.
Well, folks, that does it for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, follow along, and hit that notification tab so you'll always be informed when new episodes are being released. From wherever you are listening in on, please leave a review and tell us what you loved, what episode is your favorite, and you can go ahead and comment on what topic you would like us to create an episode about. If this story touched you today in a way that was healing, then maybe it's your turn to give back as well. Let's hear your story. We all would love to hear what you have to say. You can find us on our website, walkandtalkradio.com. There is a link posted down below in the description box in order for quick and easy access. On the website, in the section contact, you will find the variety of ways you can contact us via Facebook, Instagram, and even email. As well, go ahead and check out all the different products that we promote to help and aid you with your health and longevity. Alongside this, please check out all of our beautiful partners that we have and see what they have to offer for you. While you are there, go ahead and take a tour through the Walk & Talk Radio merchandise. There may just be something right for you. Every Wednesday, we will have a show on somebody's story about the hardships they are going through or have gone through. So please come back and join us next week for another amazing and definitely needed to be heard story. Thank you so much for tuning in here at Walk and Talk Radio. We absolutely appreciate all of you.